0: You're listening to the American Window Cleaning Magazine podcast, brought to you by Ed Array, the standard of performance since 1936. What a great guest we have today. You're going to learn a ton, so you want to pay attention to this. We have Brandon Vaughn on with us from Autogra- Automate Growth Cell. And uh, Brandon, welcome aboard. Thank you for, I know you're an f- extremely busy guy. But uh, I really appreciate uh, you taking some time out and talking with us today.
1: Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it.
0: Yeah, no problem. You've got a a very interesting uh, backstory. And uh, uh, take us through a little bit about um, you. You had a company called All Clean that started off kind of as a window cleaning company, and you actually purchased that from your dad and he had kind of a mindset of uh, what business was and, and how he was going to, uh, what it was going to do for him. And then as you took it over, um, it, it was, you needed it to do something different for you. And you, you approached it very different. Um, tell us that story.
1: Oh, boy. Well, it all started when I was a baby. No, I'm just kidding. do <laughs> not go that far back. Um, you know, it was uh, 1978. I think that's a good place to start. Um, that's when my dad started all clean window service. And he was an owner operator literally for 33 years. So, you know, it was him on the tools, owner operator, 33 years. And actually I worked right alongside him, um, starting at the age of 14. So I jumped on full time, actually working 40 hours a week while I homeschooled through high school, uh, washing windows alongside my dad. And, um, You know, he was, my dad was awesome. You know, he just, he was so disciplined, hardworking. His work ethic was uh, second to none. And he just absolutely loved our customers so much. Um, I learned a lot working alongside him. And and he pretty much was owner operator, you know, at about a hundred thousand a year um, from 1978, pretty much all the way up until uh, 2011. Yeah. So,
0: and, you know, I just want to preface this because there there are uh, different ways or different functions that a business is performing for a person. So if if that's if that's you, if that's uh, an owner operator type situation that you're in, and hey, it's it's serving its need for you and, and whatever. I just don't don't get us wrong here. There's nothing wrong with that. If that's if that's what your goal is But that wasn't your goal when uh, when things came to kind of a head where you were going to purchase the business from from your father You had kind of different aspirations for the business. Uh, what was your thoughts?
1: Well, it it um, it kind of was born out of um, An unforeseen occurrence uh, something that we weren't expecting um, to come up Uh, in 2011 my dad was diagnosed with heart disease so um that was something that just kind of rocked our rocked our family really i mean he he was running on a treadmill he you know low cholesterol low blood pressure uh good shape you know good physical shape um but he collapsed on a treadmill in 2011 and uh, had a stent put in you know really quickly and the doctor told him straight up that he couldn't work physically anymore so this is one of the things that I think is can be kind of a challenging of people who have a who own a business with a bus factor of 1 meaning if they get hit by a bus metaphorically or figuratively they get hit by a bus what happens to their business what happens to you know the what they've put in if so much of their information lives up inside their brain and they don't have systems documented it they don't have a backup plan they don't have retirement. They don't have savings. They don't have, you know, some, something that can prevent their business from, you know, literally just disappearing. And then all of a sudden your income is just gone. Uh, which was the case with my, with my dad. Um, you know, it got to the point where he approached us and our family and, and basically said that he had to close the business down uh, because there was, you know, he, he literally told me, you know, Hey, maybe I'd just be a Walmart greeter. Um, you know do something he had he kind of had no idea what to do and I think no matter you know to your point no matter what size your business is whether it's small or whether it's big uh, even if you're the owner operator make sure that you have all the information documented down so that if something was to happen to you your your wife could step in your spouse could step in a family member um, someone could buy the business and actually have some kind of value because there's enough information there It's actually documented to where the business could continue to exist, even if something happened to you, you know, catastrophic or, or even just something as simple as, you know, not being able to work physically anymore and having to completely change things up.
0: Yeah. So if, and if you don't want to answer this, you don't have to, um, but tell me, tell me a little bit about, so here, here, this is going on. It's a, it's obviously a life-changing event and you're, you're looking at it. Now, you've been cleaning windows with your father since, like you said, you, you know, your early years there, 14 years old, and you're watching these events take place. Um, what's, what's going on in your mind? I mean, what, what are you thinking? What's that thought process? What, do you care to share that?
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah, for um, it's interesting because, uh, you know, my dad had, he, he really had a sweet setup. You know, I mean, he worked. He worked four or five days a week and um, very low stress. I mean, for the most part. Of course, stress can be what you make of it. Sure. <laughs> but um, you know, he, he, you know, had this setup with his business. Um, the problem was, is he was getting up there in years. He'd been doing this for a long time, and I was worried for my dad. I was worried about something like this happening and having you know no backup plan. He never had a desire to grow the business. He wanted to keep it small. Uh, He was the artisan window cleaner. You know, he had his tool belt laid out exactly the same way, exactly what brand of squeegee rubbers, what brand of, you know, channels and everything he had. Um, Not open to, you know, new things and really kind of abrasive, you know, not abrasive, but just uh, resistant to embracing something new because he's been doing it the same way for so long. Uh, What's interesting is that when I turned 18, 19 years old, I went out and started up, you know, my own thing, started doing my own thing. I actually started a construction company right in like 2005, 2006, which PS little business tip for you. If you ever want to start a business um, in the construction industry, do it right before a huge economic downturn and huge economic crash (laughs) in the construction industry. (laughs) That was so perfect. It's the reason why I was like, Hey, construction is doing really good. Let's start a business over there. Um, So I started my construction company and I was an owner operator just like my dad. So, I mean, that was all that I knew. So I went out and started my own business and it was me doing all the work. I did, you know, tile work, finished carpentry, hardwood floors, and had one employee, a helper, you know? So I had that same, you know, mindset that I kind of adopted from my dad on how to do that. You know, long story short with that, the business completely tanked, uh, lost everything. We lost our house. We were on food stamps um we had to move into a, like a little two bedroom uh farmhouse with a, a new baby and it was um like you know 600 square feet there were rats everywhere mm-hmm. literally like underneath no insulation and i basically had to remodel the house for the landlord in exchange for rent because we had no money whatsoever tons of debt put my daughter's you know birth on a credit card um so i was not what you would say business savvy <laughs> i did not My first experience in like running my own company was a total disaster. Um, So I just, you know, kind of switched over, did some marketing stuff. And then that kind of leads us up to 2011, 2012, when this now happened with my dad and he kind of presented me this circumstance um, when I offered to buy the business from my dad so that he he could retire.
0: Okay, so that puts you, uh, so obviously you do, you uh, you make some sort of agreement with your father, uh, you take uh, his business over, and now you're, and there might have been some some gap here but uh we're we're a failed contractor <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now what obviously what every business owner should do is once they failed at one get right into
1: another <laughs> yeah just jump right back in just get right back up on that on and, and just
0: do the same thing you were doing <laughs> <laughs> no so you, you obviously you make that transaction and uh you start off and just what what's the beginning stages that look like
1: so, um, there you know, so I, I, I presented to my dad I was gonna buy the business from him. Uh, he needed a certain amount of money each month uh, you know, to be able to just retire. and that was you know three grand a month, basically. So that was a purchase price for the business. It was about a hundred thousand dollars worth of worth of uh, you know work a year. So I bought the company and we had that agreement kind of set up to where I just you know pay that for life pretty much just so that they could retire um it's a sizable expense uh it was a challenge to try you know managing cash flow and stuff and having that expense you know while trying to grow um but at this point i was i was terrified and excited all at the same time because i knew that for the business to be able to support my family support my dad's family um that we had to grow you know we had to we had to scale up we had to get more uh, revenue coming in. We we're in a, a decent market, you know, uh, but it's a, a lot of low hanging fruit. Um, so much of the information lived inside my dad's head, and that was probably one of the biggest challenges. Is that he had like a little black book of all of his contacts, handwritten out, um, you know, inside of his little black book with you know six hundred customers, and then um, you know paper calendars for everything. No website. No logo. No anything. Um, so it was almost kind of like starting up a business from scratch in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, when we were looking at, you know, beginning to kind of grow this business. Uh, so I, I said I like my five year plan of what I wanted to do when I was going to grow. And you know, over five years we would grow from like a hundred thousand dollars to like $250,000 at the end of five years. And that was like my big, you know, hairy audacious goal that I had for myself and for the company. And I remember actually showing, you know, sitting down with my dad and showing him this plan. And he looked at it and we both kind of looked at it and he goes man you know isn't that a bit aggressive do you really think that you can you know double the business in five years and and get it to this level and i was like i don't know i i think so i think it's i think this is you know i think this is doable i think this is achievable and then we just started kind of setting out to grow the business and i, I really had no clue really what i was doing except for you know having a fresh uh, a fresh business that i tanked <laughs> <And> having, <laughs> you know, having that on my track record. Um, but I reached out, I got a business mentor and coach and, uh, started surrounding myself with a good community of people and, um, you know, started kind of learning a little bit more about systems. I read the book, the e-myth and things started kind of clicking as far as like, okay, how can we start growing and how can, you know, we make this happen.
0: Yeah. That's an interesting point. So, um, y- yeah, you, your dad had had it for so many years, it's sitting at $100,000. You buy it, and it's obviously got debt that you're going to service uh, for a period of time, or long period of time. And uh, you did know, though, personally, that you were not going to be able to continue to do the same thing that had been done over and over. You're starting to surround yourself. You're like, look, this isn't... Because so many people say, I'm going to grow the business. And it's just such a generic term. It's like, well, how are you, you know, your dad was right. How are you going to do it? You know, and, and I think you, you realize that mentally that there was going to have to be a how in there somewhere. Right.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, and the, my big motivation was, um, you know, I was, I was working, actually, I started working with my dad at the age of 13, washing windows. He paid me five cents a screen to wash the screens and, uh, working full time, you know, from age 14 to, you know, 19, you know, kind of through my growth spurts and everything else, I started having shoulder problems. Like my shoulder would start clicking, uh, carrying buckets around, carrying ladders and stuff like that. It was, uh, I went into construction and it was, you know, again, beaten up on my body, crawling around on floors and my hands and knees. And, uh, and then I look at my dad and I see my dad who's was in a physical job for, you know, 33 years and the toll that it took on him. You know, with his shoulder and his back and his knees and his joints, and you know, now heart disease. Um, so I, I knew for for me that kind of changed my why, and my why was I want to get out of the field as soon as possible. I want to preserve my body. I want to you know be able to uh, you know build a team, and I don't want to have a bus factor of one. Um, and so the how really started coming in when. I remember I had a, an epiphany moment to where I saw I saw someone that had a company doing the exact same services that we we're doing, except he had thirty trucks in his fleet, and I remember seeing that and just being like, how how <laughs> like how is this how is this possible? I don't understand. Like it just blew my brain that you could actually have you know a systemized larger business, um, you know, in this industry, you know, and so. I knew that we had to kind of move that direction. We had to get a team on, and I had to learn how to be a good delegator, a good trainer. Uh, I had to learn about company culture. I had to learn about uh, technology and automation. Um, I mean, we were using our big upgrade from a paper calendar. Uh, We then moved to Google Calendar, um, which was like a huge upgrade but we had to do like double data entry every time we completed a job we had to then do it in quickbooks and we had to do all this other stuff and there's all these things that you just don't you realize you don't know about running a business uh that literally someone over here who knows it if they give you a tip and you you actually execute on it and adopt it it can change everything for you in your business it can free up so much time off of your plate and so I just started becoming obsessed with building systems and trying to, you know, delegate as much responsibilities off my plate as possible uh, and automate as much things as possible so that, you know, we could work with the small of a team as possible um, you know, on the management side of things. And so that was that was really a big game changer for us in those first few years uh, was starting to you know, understand benefits of CRMs and marketing automation. And, um, you know, investing in a brand and investing in, uh, you know, team members and management and how to build up managers and build up leaders inside of your team. Um, those are all the things that I would never done before. But once I started executing on those things, that's when stuff really started kind of changing for us.
0: Yeah. And would you agree, Brandon? I know, uh, you know, I've, I've coached some guys uh, through the window cleaning process, having scaled um, one myself. Um, I, I, there's a lot of pain in the business from zero dollars. And I always say you, it's not going to feel good to you, uh, especially in this scale process with employees. And I went out of the field and I want trucks and I want all this stuff. It, it's just not going to feel good until about that $300,000
1: mark. Mm-hmm. Would you agree? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, 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 um, you know what it is, is it's, it's being out in the, being out in the field, you know, up on a ladder and getting a phone call and you're like holding on to your sectional ladder like this. And you're like answering phone calls and talking to customers and, you know, telling Siri to remind you to call so-and-so back and, and then going down and checking on your one employee and then having, you know, more bids and then finishing your, you know, your day at three o'clock and then going out till six o'clock to do bids. Um, it just feels chaotic. It just feels so chaotic. And and for me, anyone that I talk to when, they, when they're when they in the midst of chaos and they feel like they just don't have enough time, that's one of the number one biggest indicators that you have to grow your team and you have to bring somebody else on to help you out is when you feel overwhelmed. Uh, but the hard part is that's a really big leap of faith for people to make because they look mm-hmm. at their books and they say, I don't know if I can afford to have an employee. I don't know if I can afford to hire you know another technician or hire an office person to answer my phones without realizing that that hire actually is an asset and that gets them to that next level to where now they can focus on, you know, just a completely different set of you know responsibilities in their business. Yeah. So I totally agree. Once you kind of make that, that 300,000 mark is kind of when you're taking steps to start, you know, moving from the technician now into the office and then, you know, into the sales position and you're kind of moving along that path. Um, and that's actually where, to me, business starts getting fun because then it's, you know, it's not just a bus factor of one anymore. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And then I, I always tell guys that are at the three hundred thousand. I said, when you go from three hundred thousand to five hundred thousand, it's gonna be the same pain. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's hurt in, again. It's hurt trouble. again because with that that money that you're used to feeling. And, you know, that's used to coming in, in order to take that next jump, that next step in that phase in business, it's going to, well, when I say pain, I mean, it it costs you, you know, it costs you to implement certain things to get to that next level. And, uh, uh, you know, it's just, it's just, it's a progress that has to happen, but uh, there there are some pains in those things. But um, so fast forward then. So you're, you're, uh, you're, you see this guy running around town, he's got 30 trucks, and um, you certainly, if you, if you look back in the early first, let's just say the first three or four years there, where you're trying to get this baby, you're putting systems in place, you're listening, you're reading the E-Myth, uh, you're doing all these uh, different aspects of the business. What's the one thing could you could you hone in on on something that you say if if our listeners out there right now was was saying, look, I'm in that hundred thousand dollar phase, and I just don't know how to push it any further. Is there one thing you look back on and say, Boy, if I wouldn't have done this, I don't know if anything else would have fallen in place?
1: Oh boy, you know, there was there were several pivotal hires that I made. Um you know, we. What I kind of look at it as, uh, you know, as there's five stages that you kind of go through as a business owner. Um, the first phase you start out with is when you're doing the physical work, right? You're the technician in the field. And by the way, there's people that bypass this stage completely. Uh, they start day one, never going out in the field. And I know that sure. breaks a lot of people's brains, but it's it's actually totally possible to do that. Well,
0: fran- franchise system, right? That's that's what they bought into so they don't don't start out in the field very few franchisees start out or franchise oars really start out in the field
1: yeah because they they're loaded with systems right right out of the gate um but you know that that very first hire that's so critical is you know the the lead technician out in the field that actually now is responsible for doing the work he's driving his own rig and he's going out there and he's doing the work and you're not there you're not there hovering over his shoulder telling him, Hey, you missed a spot. Hey, don't forget about this. Hey, make sure you talk to the customer about this. Um, That is probably one of the number one things. If someone's at that hundred thousand dollar range and they're trying to break free, the sooner you get off the truck and you get out of the field, you get off the wand, you get off the squeegee, you get off the pressure washer, the carpet cleaning rig, whatever it is, you get out of there. um, The quicker you, your, your business will then grow that next step. And I think, you know, a lot of people, they feel like, oh, my gosh, I don't have any time. I don't have any time uh, because they're out in the field and they're doing all these other things. As soon as you get out of the field, you have lots of time, a lot more time, at least. You have more time to, you know, rather than spend 25, 30, 40 hours a week in the field. Now you have 25, 30, 40 hours a week to do sales and to schedule jobs. And suddenly your plate is so clear to where you can go to all those chamber meetings you've been wanting to go to and going and networking and going and calling in on those you know, big apartment communities or HOAs or condo jobs, um, that frees you up so much. And uh, there's people who I've seen who have been forced out of the field due to health circumstances. Uh, one, one of my um, good friends uh, who owns a, a business over in the, in the Midwest, he, has, he was forced out of the field due to um, having seizures. And he could have a seizure at any moment in time, it forced him out of the field and his business grew faster than anybody else that I've seen uh, because he couldn't be in the field. He just had to force himself out. Um, So get yourself out of the field. then the next pivotal uh, hire, which is really, really scary is hiring an office person, (laughs) having someone answer the phones. So now it's not you answering the phones anymore. It's somebody else that's answering those phones. And now you're just focused on sales. And then the next pivotal hire after that is a salesperson who actually goes out and does sales for you. And now that kind of moves you up into a little bit more of just like a general management type role to where you have operations lockdown. Um, you know, at the time when we, uh, when I sold this last year, we had operations managers, operations, directors, operation, uh, you know, admin op- office managers, sales managers, sales guys. Um, And it really was just purely general management at that point. So the work, the time commitment is just so minuscule when you start getting to that stage because you've delegated enough of your tasks out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's so important. And there is a scary factor there. I remember um, shop space was something for me that was uh, scary. I remember taking on my first shop and I thought, Man, this is like, you know, and it was minuscule. Looking back, you know, it was like $700 a month. It's like, oh, man, am I going to – and I remember laying there thinking, am I going to be able to make that? I mean, am I going to be able to do this? Am I going to be able to do that? And in two years, I think we were in 1,200, 1,300 square foot, and in two years, um, we we rented a place of 5,000 square feet. And I remember when I did that, I remember seeing the same thing. Am I going to be able to – I don't know if we're going to do
1: it. You know, <laughs> it's always right great
0: yeah it's always scary but you're right you've got to take that step you've got to work if you're trying to scale your business you've got to work to get off that truck and
1: uh one of my one of the, favorite oh, sorry. I I, one, of my, one of my favorite quotes is uh to get somewhere that you've never been means to do something that you've never done yeah. And, you know, all of those people don't understand, even if you have a large business, you're still making decisions that terrify you. I mean, someone, Absolutely. someone looks at someone and they're like, wow, they're just so good at business. They have, I remember thinking about, you know, someone who had this big business. I talked to him like, man, you just got all these things going on. Everything's good for you, man. I wish I could be there. And he's like, Brandon, I I'm terrified. You know, I, I still have moments where I'm wanting to make a, you know, a decision on something and it just gives me butterflies and anxiety. And I'm like, oh man, you know, is this the right move? Is this not the right move? Um, You have to be uncomfortable. And and that's usually a sign that you're actually growing and and progressing is that uncomfortability.
0: Yeah. So fast forward. So this was uh, 2011, uh, come up to uh, last year. Your person that you've seen out in the field was 30 trucks, and I think uh, you surpassed that by a double, right, uh, towards the end there. You had 70-some uh, 70, 70 employees, um, I don't know how many trucks, but uh, at any rate, you, you did it. And I, I would say that, uh, you know, from what I know of you, um, you definitely systems played a large part in that. You're a systems master. Uh, you, you like everything to be systematic. And when you put those things in place, you're, you're able to duplicate. And uh, duplication is, is very important, is it not?
1: Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's so huge. To me, I feel like, and I tell people that uh, if you can become a master at just two things, only two things your business can be a tool for you rather than you being a tool for the, for the business. Uh, right. the, the two things are training and delegation. Um, you know, so many people, they they stress out so much about uh, getting new technicians and getting new employees onto their team. And they get so frustrated and so angry because they bring on an employee, they work with them for, you know, 40 hours 80 hours getting them trained and then they quit and then they're just like so frustrated and so angry because they just spent all this time and energy training this one person uh with their mouth you know with their mouth and showing them in person um but I mean even doing small things like videoing your record you know your training program and when it when an employee comes in they're not in the field day one they're actually in your shop or your office or even you know at their own home watching videos And, you know, learning all the basics, you know, and if you just, the next time you train an employee, if you just hand them your your camera cell phone and, um, you know, and have them just video you training them, uh, that's words that you'll never have to say ever again. You'll never have, no matter what employee you bring uh, on board, you can have them watch that video instead of you having to be the person to say it. And that to me is kind of the definition of a system, is if you can, you know, put document down through either video, or some kind of written format, a training system, so that when someone comes in, it doesn't require you or someone on your team to exert all that energy to, uh, you know, just through time of talking and showing, um, that can be done in a, you know, automated way. That just drastically reduces the amount of time that you have to spend on uh, doing that stuff. It just duplicates yourself and doesn't require you to be the person that has to do that.
0: Yeah, that's, it's, I learned that, uh, you know, I spent a brief time uh, managing hotels, and one of the biggest downfalls of hotel, hotel management was they would, they would find a person that uh, always showed up on time, and they always did a good job. Maybe they were a front office uh, person, a desk clerk. They were great at what they did, and they immediately made them a manager.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. They,
0: they fail. <laughs> And they're like, I can't believe. And so what they did is they took a an A player in the realm that they were in, and ruined them to where they were a, a worthless employee, because they 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 would just push them up, right? Because they were good at what they were doing, but there wasn't. And I used to say all the time, I said, I'm not willing to to make anybody a manager until you can show me that you can duplicate yourself. If Man, you can
1: that is money right there, that's gold. That's you gold. You can take
0: a guy, if you can take a front or an entry level person, and you can you can train them to your job and make them do as good as you do. That's a manager. You just duplicated yourself.
1: I love that, Michael. Yeah, that's I that's that's gold right there. That's good. Yeah.
0: So anyway, you've got this big company. Uh you're you're rolling along and you um I'm going to fast forward just a little bit further than that. You end up selling the thing. Uh, you create this this uh, this wonderful business, and to a lot of people, and uh, I've been through this myself, having sold mine. A lot of people look at that in in uh, confusion. They're like, how, "How you you built this business? It had these great systems in place. It was uh, obviously it was doing well for you financially. Um, why would you ever sell the business?"
1: You know, that's a good question. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a personal question. It's one that I think uh, if you ask 10 different people who sold, you'll get 10 different answers as far as to why someone, you know, sold. Some people, it's uh, getting cash to be able to leverage for an investment that maybe they feel like, you know, will give them better long-term return. Uh, for some people, they'll sell because they can't handle it. You know, mm-hmm. it was too stressful for them. They just want out. Um, there's lots of different reasons why someone would sell. And I think that a lot of those reasons are personal to each individual person. Uh, I'll share my reasons why, um, I actually, it started, started three years before I sold, uh, when frankly, the business was very difficult. Uh, it was stressful. Um, we were, we, I didn't really quite understand the concept of systems, um, kind of a little bit. So this is, you know, somewhere in the realm of like two, 2015. We were right around. uh, I think we were, you know, knocking a a million dollar, um, you know, a million dollars in revenue, you know, at the door there, uh, right around this time period. Um, And there's this thing that now looking back, I realize what I, you know, is like cash flow purgatory. I don't know if purgatory is the right word, but it's this time period where it's this cash flow um, really difficult spot to punch through the ceiling right around 750,000 to about 1.2 million. Um, where it's, you don't really quite have enough, um, flow or scale to be able to hire a, a manager, the managers that you need, that middle management layer. Um, you're not really quite there yet. So you're wearing a lot of hats as the owner. And for me, it was a really stressful time in our business. And, um, I had at one point in time, I lost over half of my employees. They quit on me in the middle of my busy season when I was booked out two months, had a panic attack. Totally freaked out. Um, that kind of led me on my journey to start learning more about company culture and how to, you know, engage a team. But right around this time period, um, I made a promise to my wife and to my family uh, that I would sell the business within five years. Um, uh, hey, we're going to grow this thing, and then we're going to sell it, and then we're going to, you know, travel. We're going to do ministry. You know, this is what we're going to do. Uh, we were going to get it to that, you know, kind of that, that point to where we could button it up and sell it. And I'd be able to make sure that my mom and dad were taken care of, make sure that my family was okay, mostly to take care of my mom and dad, because that was the commitment that I made to them. You know, that growing this business was going to take care of them. So, so we started to kind of set out to grow and to systemize. And it's interesting because when you go to sell a business, it's kind of like fixing up your house to sell it. Right you know, you need to sell it your, your, your home, but you got these, you know, this trim over here that needs to be caulked. You have your deck that's rotted. You got to fix the deck. You got to fix the windows. You got to put on a new coat of paint. You got to go around and fix all these little things to get it ready to sell. And it was amazing because like the, those next three years, um, as I started getting it ready to sell and fixing it up to get it to you know be ready to sell, um, I actually fell back in love again with my business. Um, you know, we got to a place to where, uh, you know, as I started thinking, okay, what would a new owner really want? Well, a new owner, if they're going to buy the business, they are not going to want anything that relies on me. They don't want to buy a business where I'm the linchpin and the business won't function without me. Cause then that's very, it's a low value. When I leave the value of the business, you know, drops as well. Um, so it led to us creating a ton of systems, um, getting a good team, getting a great operations manager, great office managers, um, you know, great sales team. Uh, so at the time when I sold the business, I wasn't doing hardly anything in the business. Um, literally, I would come into my shop and there would be someone like rooting around on the, you know, um, you know, on the shelves and stuff. And, and I'd be like, hey, can I help you? And he'd turn around and look at me and he'd be like, can I help you? <laughs> and I'm like, uh, I'm Brandon, I, I, own, I own the company, who are you? He's like, oh, shoot, you know, I'm, I'm John. I just, I just started like two weeks ago. And, um, you know, so we were having technicians that were onboarding to our company without me even realizing it, all the sales were happening, jobs were getting scheduled. And, um, you know, my workload in the business was, was very, very, um, minuscule to where we could leave and then come back and the business had grown. And that was really a spot to where, uh, it was at the time when we, when we got an offer that, you know, literally just kind of fell into our laps uh, as far as buying the business. And timing was right. fulfilled the promise to my wife. Um, the number was right. And it, just, it just, uh, just made sense for us and our family to, you know, to exit out and go do what we wanted to pursue, which was ministry work in another country.
0: Yeah, very nice. Um, and so I, I know for me too. I, I agree with you. Those those I, I I knew the day I started the business I was going to sell it. Um, that was the goal always, but I didn't I didn't figure everything out until about I, I'm with you about three years prior to the actual sale, or the sale. Um, I actually had an interesting th- in, uh, run in with a, a business um, mentor, who was a banker. And, you know, the accountant would always tell me, look, I think your business is worth X, right? And They'd do some sort of fancy thing, and here's what it's worth. And, you know, or anybody at home, it's worth what two people are willing to give on any given day is what it's worth. But anyway, um, what what he really helped me to appreciate was, um, and I went through this exercise, I he said, I'm a banker, I'm an ex banker, and I'm a business mentor now. He goes, So I want to look at your books from a banker's perspective. And he says, What I'm going to encourage you to do before you work with me, I want you to go to the bank, talk to your commercial lender, and ask him, tell him that you want to buy your business. And take the number in that you think the accountant says it's worth, and let's see what the banker. We'll give you for that business.
1: <laughs> wow, that's so cool. That's such a great And idea.
0: so you go through it and you kind of reverse it, you know, to see what they're going to look at and what they're what they're doing. And I tell you, that was that was three years prior to the actual sale. And, man, I learned so much in that process. Wow. And it, it, a lot of it wasn't necessarily what we were doing wrong, but it was the way we were presenting our financials. You know, the accountant, I always say there's three people that's real important at the at your table. And that's the accountant, the lawyer, and the banker. And they all play an intricate role, but they all look at things from their perspective. And the accountant, his job is to save you taxes. That's his job, right? But that may not always look real good to the banker.
1: No. Nope. <laughs> that's true. So anyway, I've learned, the, I've learned that lesson the hard way before in the past, Yeah, where we've depreciated a lot of stuff all in one year to save on a bunch of taxes. And then come next yeah. year when I needed to get a, a business line of credit, he's like, your net profit's terrible. And it's like, well, on paper, yeah, but, you know, we actually really profitable. Look at all we've done. And, and yeah. he's like, uh-uh, nope. Look yeah, at all we could, look- you you say,
0: yeah, they look at you and say, "Thank you, son. We borrow we we loan money on paper."
1: <laughs> yeah, <If laughs> right? you're paying a lot of taxes. That means that you're doing something really good in your business. I yeah. mean, a lot of people don't understand that too. You know, there's there's that constant battle. That's really interesting. That's a really interesting perspective and exercise to go through.
0: We went through another one, Brandon, just shortly. I'm interviewing you, but uh, anyway, the, you know, the same thing. The at one point in time, I had a really good employee that wanted to buy some stock. And I tried to convince him, you don't want to buy the stock in an S-corp, but he, he wanted to. And I was like, fine, we'll sell you X amount of stock. We'll agree on a price we did. And it didn't work out. The employee left. He wanted me to buy the stock back. I bought it back. The, account- <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> the, account- the accountant said to me, that is the dumbest thing you ever did. I never, I never want to see you do that again. Don't ever sell stock. Now, it's interesting, though. The attorney, when I told him that, I said, my accountant said, that was a stupid idea. Never do that. He said, kind of smart aleckly, he says, I want you to tell your accountant to worry about the bean counting and let me worry <laughs> about the liability of the corporation. Oh, because man. it looked wonderful that you sold stock. If anybody ever tries to pierce the corporation, we have a, a pretty good case against us to show that we're operating as a true corporation. We've sold That's stock, true. we've bought stock, we've done these things. So it's just interesting to see the three perspectives. They come from a different place, and um, you can uh, you can learn from each one of them how they're coming from from the, the angle that they are.
1: You know what? That's really interesting, too, because um, I went through a, a Goldman Sachs 10-KSB uh, program, and one of the things that they said, you know, they said, um, they actually encouraged me to put together an advisory board, you know, and I'm like, all right, you know, we're, we're, we're still a small company advisory board seems a little bit much, you know, isn't that something that big, huge corporations do? Uh, but they said it doesn't have to be anything really intense. You can meet once a quarter and take your banker, your um, accountant and, and take them out and, you know, maybe have another business owner and just have them come and just be your advisory board and you take them out to lunch and you pay for everything and you know, have gifts for them or whatever, and just have them all come together and just kind of talk about things, lay things out and have a little advisory board meeting. And it's actually attractive for some people to be on an advisory board, because uh, it's attractive on their resume to say that they you know, served as a director on an advisory board. Um, just thought that was interesting. It was, a, it was a perspective that I'd never even thought of before, but man, having a good relationship with a banker is so important.
0: It is. So uh, looking back, Brandon, if you um, if you had to look back from the point of sale back into those three years that you was learning and, and really, and I, I agree with you, those last three years were kind of fun. It kind of, at the end, it's like, I don't know, I, I've kind of enjoyed this again. But um, at any rate, is there one thing that you would, uh, you'd say, boy, if, if, <laughs> if that wouldn't have fell in place, uh, this really could have affected the sale of the business or I'm so glad I took this advice. Is there just one nugget there that uh, you can you can tell the audience?
1: You know, I think just the exercise of going through a sale of a business was probably some of the best education uh, that I could have received. Um, Going through the due diligence process, looking at what a legitimate buyer, I mean, a legitimate buyer, not like you know your local competitor that wants to draft up a one-page agreement right. you know, to, to buy a right. route well, from you. I'm talking about like a legitimate buyer uh, that has capital backing, uh, what they look for. And going through that process and um, knowing what KPIs they look for, what, what metrics they want, uh, that was fascinating to me. And especially, you know, knowing what their long-term plans are, um, it's really cool. All Clean Soft Wash, it's, it's just owned by this uh, amazing couple of brothers uh, that are expanding it out nationally. Uh, there's eight locations of All Clean Soft Wash across the country now. Um, they're in the, you know, eight-figure territory with their business. They're just, they're just totally crushing it and doing an amazing job. And it's been really cool to see a new buyer fulfill the vision that I always you know, kind of promise to my team. And that was actually a really cool thing about selling the business too, is selling it to this kind of a buyer provided a lot of opportunity that was given to the team a lot quicker than what I knew, you know, I could give it to them, you know, to be able to travel to another market and to help people out. Um, we had some of the people uh, at my location that actually flew down to Florida, to work in the wintertime in Florida and get paid for it. And they like loved it. It was like the best time of their lives, you know, right. in a way. And so there's a lot of cool things that like the next level of a business can kind of, you know, get. So the, the one thing that I think was, um, you know, really valuable going through that whole process is just understanding how to look at something from a perspective of a buyer. Um, and, you know, and being able to, uh, Understand that and help others understand that when they're trying to go through a sale or they will have an exit plan Because the reality is is everyone's going to exit out of their business at some point in time If you don't have an exit strategy or an exit plan, I mean you'll either exit through bankruptcy death um, You'll merge with another company you'll sell or you know pass it on to your your kids Um, Whatever that looks like for you um, You do have to plan some kind of an exit for yourself and the business you know Absolutely. for nothing Absolutely. else than just to make sure that your bases are covered
0: Yep. brandon it, it's a fascinating story to to see what you did you did it in a relatively short amount of time which is really cool as well uh you're able to obviously go on to, to other things we'd love to we could have you on again sometime and just you know talk about a whole bunch of things but yeah, today, today you uh own a company called automate grow cell and uh you have the uh, the coaching program called conquer and it what really is neat about it is you've got a, a group of guys that are that are business owners and they're helping uh, other business owners uh, you know go through some of these processes and getting some of these things in place and, and holding them accountable it's an accountability program and uh, so I think that's so cool that you're doing that and um, uh, anything that uh, what's your you know what's your visions now with that what's your passions uh what uh, what what is it that that drives you in that what, what you know why why do you do it
1: my my biggest uh you know so we, we actually kind of stumbled across this thing i ended up forging a um a friendship and and business relationship with uh, josh latimer and he's become a, a very dear friend of mine um since never we... heard of him <laughs> Never. <laughs> Josh is is such a rock star. Uh, He actually founded Automate Grow Sell. I partnered up with him and and actually um, bought Automate Grow Sell from him. Um, But what we're we're doing with this is all the stresses and anxieties and struggles that I went through owning my business, uh, I found a solution to those through systems. And over the course of building up my company, I spent thousands no exaggeration, thousands of hours, building systems, building documents, building resources, building out tools, checklists, job offers, you know, HR stuff. It's, it's, it takes up so much time to build all those things from scratch. And the reality is, is that that's where a lot of business owners end up getting stuck. They don't know how to get to that next level. And usually it's a problem of not knowing what system to put in place so that they can get to that next level. So uh, what we did is um, one of the things that I saw a lot of is people were asking tons of questions in Facebook groups and everything else. You know, hey, I'm looking for a business coach. I'm looking for someone. Um, there's the the free model, which is what I did a lot of for years. Uh, and the frustrating part of that is that is that you'll coach someone, you'll give them free advice, and they won't execute on it. They won't They won't do it. Um, but when people pay, they pay attention. So we wanted to have, you know, cause then they're accountable. They have something to lose. They don't do it and they don't execute on it. So the pay part of it is very, very important. And it's the reason why I pay a personal trainer. And I also paid for business coaching myself is because you get all the good stuff and all the best stuff when you actually pay for it. So we have this conquer program and we have certified coaches, all of our coaches, uh, they're CEOs and executives of companies, you know, doing large, great, you know amazing things but for the most part they're, they own systemized businesses and so all of our coaches have gone through a certification process but they also have all the real world experience of you know how to actually create a systemized business mm-hmm. um, and so you work with a coach literally one-on-one you meet with them once a month um, and you know go through in-depth coaching and um, we've partnered with another company called the growth wheel that goes into really big, you know, in depth on exactly where you're stuck in business and how you can put an action plan and, you know, 30, 60, 90 day sprints. And then we actually put you, uh, you know, put our business owners, our conquerors inside of uh, conquer groups of four business owners, And they get coaching every single week uh, with their coach. So it's an accountability group. And then on top of that, we have what we call um, all of our resources in Basecamp, which are, you know, all the systems and documents and resources that you need to kind of systemize the core part of your business. And we have in-depth training on there. And um, it's been amazing. We have about 100 and uh, over 120 companies in the program right now. And we're adding about 30 a month that are coming in. Um, and if people want to learn more about it, they can go to agsconquer.com and watch a really cheesy video of me, um, but learn more about the program and just kind of understand, you know, more about it. And then, uh, you know, people can also feel free to connect with me on Facebook and ask questions about anything that we may have, and uh, I'd be happy to, you know, fill people in on on more on that. But it's it's been amazing. We have a a Conquer Summit that we're going to have um, in uh, January of 2020 exclusively for people in the Conquer program where we celebrate, you know, people graduating from stage one to stage two and and automating their business and big wins that they've had. Um, and the whole mission that we kind of have is having a balanced entrepreneurial life, you know, and making sure that uh, it's not just about obsessing over growth and numbers, um, but it's also about making sure that your business is fulfilling your why and is actually, you know, a tool for you.
0: Yeah very nice brandon you know it's it's uh, great uh, i could uh, could chat with you all day <laughs> but uh you you know you're a good guy um great, great program there it sounds like with automate grow Cell. we appreciate you uh coming on board today sharing a little bit of your story and how things took place uh, maybe there's some nuggets in there that some others can uh can uh, implement in their business and if you want to take it to the next level then certainly check him out uh, uh, Brandon Vaughn uh, uh, Automate Grow Sell and uh, Brandon just thank you so much for coming on today I appreciate you
1: thank you Michael appreciate it man it was a blast appreciate it
0: we hope you enjoyed this podcast please uh, feel free to subscribe and also leave a review and you can read us anytime at awcmag.com